This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. But you know what? They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show, sucker! It's a vigilant day in the compound. If they come for our guns, then we'll go underground. We will let in all Americans. No thanks to Obama. Hello, kids. It's your old pal, Mr. Jones. Now, I want to talk to you today about if a jackbooted government thug sent by the elites tries to detect... Oh, well, there's someone at the door. <laughs> it's our old friend, Mr. McFeelme. Hi, hi there, uh, Mr. Jones. Oh, 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 top of the morning to you. <laughs> uh, and also to you, Mr. McFeelme. Do you have a package for me? Oh, that I do, Mr. Jones. Oh, I've got one, two, three things for you. Can you guess what they are? Well, I, I should hope so. I've been ordering them for months. In this box right here, you're going to find high-quality water filters for you and your family to use in the trying times ahead. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and this box right here contains life-saving antibacterial colloidal silver available in pill and oil format. Right again, Mr. Jones. <laughs> and in this third box, that's 5.62 millimeter NATO standard small arms rifle ammunition to keep your family safe if you love them. Tree for tree, Mr. Jones. Hoping you enjoy your post-apocalyptic postal service there. <laughs> oh, gotcha, okay. gotcha oh. Mr. Jones. Oh, you got me again, Mr. McFeel me. See, kids? That's why I've been telling you about vigilance. Been telling you for months. Now, let's just put these packages away and we can get back. Whoa, whoa. I think we know what that sound is. It's our old friend UFO. It's time to go to disinformation land, kids. What's that UFO? There's a big to-do in disinformation land. Well, I'd like to hear all about it. Children, why don't you go check it out for me? Stay tuned for the conclusion of Mr. Jones' Compound. That's what's important about children's programming. You have to learn something. And and vigilance is important. And the only way to get kids to listen (laughs) is to tell them that for months. (laughs) Months. and Kids love repetition. (laughs) Buy my water filters. Buy my water filters. Hey, everybody. That's Dave Secco. That's Dave Flora. Oh, and this is Blurry Photos. The blurriest photos you'll ever not see Because we got no photos at all That is our song It's our new theme We gotta work on it a bunch Because it doesn't even rhyme It doesn't even rhyme <laughs> 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 we, we got into some We got into some shit there Sometimes that's how it goes. <laughs> Sometimes you just you're walking and you fall into a bog. Yeah. So, um, that gotta, was cool. <laughs> got a good show for you, though. Uh, we're we're back at it. We're back yeah. at the old, uh, you know, uh, summertime loving, having a blast. Yeah, it's been happening so fast. Yeah, I, I we're 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 a little late on the stick on this. Usually, we like to do this in July. Yeah, now yeah. it's September. <laughs> And and I know that it's awfully close to blurry photober, but don't worry, you'll get your taste. You'll get your taste there, Gov. But 
we're not going to let the summer pass without doing ghost stories. That's right. We'll still do them in, in blurry photober as promised. And just think you, uh, you've got, you've still got camping weather. Yeah. Yeah. As so. the flyer I got from REI tells me, if you can hear crickets, it's still summer. Honestly, I think September is the best camping. I think it is hands down the best month for camping, even into October because it's, it's no fun. Like at least to me to camp, where you're in your tent and it's just like a sauna. You just yeah. want to die in there. Like it's more fun if it's like a little chilly at night. You got to right. wear a jacket around. Like the fire means something. You actually yeah, yeah. need to, you know. Yeah, yeah. The fire, the fire's there for a reason, not just because you're supposed to build it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll we're gonna provide you, dear listener, with another just sack full of of just scary a, a sack stories. Laden. And I think I think uh, Masters Flora and Stecco are planning on going camping before this this season is fully out. We need to. Yeah, we're gonna. We're, I think we're gonna go camping. I think we're gonna try to record an actual campfire story or two. That'd be fun. Yeah. You know who? You know what we should do? We should get old Gregory Bach. Oh yeah. Into it and and have him be with us to to and we'll just freak him out. Oh, that would be glorious. We'll sit him. We'll sit him there to the side. We'll tell our stories at him. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll record his reactions. He's a he's a willing <laughs> participant. Uh so yeah, let's uh let let's go on and get into. Um Dave, how would you how would you rate tonight's uh stories? Well, what, what's the fair like? I am I'm very excited. I'm very excited about all the stories tonight. I don't think any of them will scare you, but <laughs> I'm really looking forward to all the stories that I found and selected for this evening. There was one that I, the minute I saw the title, I was like, holy sh**, of course I'm going to read this, no matter what it says. Yeah. Uh, I've also, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to round things out, I've got, maybe I've got some some spooky pirate times. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have time to get to it. That's who, the thing. If we don't knows. get to it this time, we'll get to it next time. But I've got a full clip, son. What do you got? I've, got, I've also got a full clip, and uh, I'll tell you what, I bought three new spooky storybooks. Spooky, spooky. To, to fill out our, our ghost story stockings. What have I got? I, I've got tales from around the world and even another poem. Whoa! Because that's what we do. Good. I uh, I hope it still does the way the bunyip scares me. We'll see. We'll see how we how we can do with it. But just as a quick reminder, bunyip music sound. Yeah, it still fucking scares the shit out of me. I I can't watch it like without getting the ghiblies. It's so funny though. It's funny to me for from never having seen it and experienced that to to have when you showed me the video of the like wavy gelatin monster yeah it's yellow with orange spots yeah it's it's dumb and and and, and you're like oh my god turn it off yeah <laughs> and i'm like what it, it it is i just <sighs> oh everything about it it scared me into this day like it's there and i'm so glad i i forget who but we've had we've had listeners write in that are like holy <laughs> yeah stop it Just knock it off it's terrible yeah, and I'm only hoping you forget all about it for like the fucking camping trip. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I, I'll I'll be like, hey Dave, uh, would you like a hot dough? The bun, <laughs> very scary. <laughs> oh, 
in the bun. Yeah, All right. So enough of that shit. Let's get to it. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Who? Everybody's got stories. Flora, you go first. Okay. Uh, like we often do, we like to travel south of the boudoir. <laughs> And, uh, That's just a linen closet south of the boudoir. <laughs> it's the scariest place in the house. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I feel I feel great. I can I can yell all I want. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Ah! Oh yeah, we got uh we're playing with a new toy. We got a, a new little piece of technological equipment that kind of takes a little bit of work out of Flora's hands as far as sound balancing our podcast. So now we can go like oh and it handles leveling that for us. That's right. I don't I don't have to worry about anything going. <laughs> all right. Um I mean You've heard a lot of other uh, podcasts, but have you ever heard a Multicom Pro XL MDX 4600 supported podcast? It's like liquid butter getting poured into your ear. Ow! Yeah. Ow! No, 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 no! <laughs> this is from our fine Costa Rican friends, and this story is called El Cegua. One evening, a young man from San Jose, the capital of Costa Rica, rode into a small town north of the city. He was on his way to visit a ranch of a friend situated in a lonely area, but he wasn't sure which road to take out of the town. He decided to stop in the local cantina to quench his thirst and ask for directions. When the proprietor brought him a cerveza, he told the traveler he still had a fair distance to cover. But, the proprietor warned, no one travels these roads after dark. Stay here. Suidad, mi amigo, suidad! I have a room I will let for a few pesos. Then you can finish your journey in the morning. The young man shook his head. I have to reach my friend's ranch tonight. The older man shook his head. Only a fool would risk meeting... El Cegua. El Cegua, the traveler exclaimed. What kind of creature is that? The cantina owner smiled, as if he was unable to believe such ignorance existed. Senor, he said, don't folks in San Jose know what El Cegua is? She's a demon, and heaven keep you from meeting her on the road. I've never heard of such a thing, said the young man. Bring me another cerveza, and please explain to me what you know about this segua. When the older man returned with the beer for the traveler, he brought a second mug for himself. He sat down across the wooden table and said, No one who sees the segua is left with a sound mind. Strong men in the peak of health have gone mad from the sight. Some have even died of fright. He began to rattle off the names of locals who had lost their minds or lives because of this monster. But the younger man interrupted him, saying, If she is such a terrible devil, why have I not heard of her before? She prefers certain parts of our country. We have the misfortune to be one such place, explained the proprietor patiently. For that reason, no one here arrives alone after dark. If someone must travel after nightfall, he always goes with a companion. I mean, most people want to go with a friend or a companion. It makes good sense to me. I mean, sorry, pardon me, it's your story. But I have such a friend. Just in case anyone was wondering, a good companion, I have a friend. Why? 
Doesn't she like crowds? Laughed the young man, <laughs> who was beginning to feel the effects of his long ride and the beer. El Thigua only appears to someone who travels alone, said the older man gravely, finishing his own beer and starting to rise. She appears as a beautiful senorita, smiling sadly and fluttering her eyes, pleading for a ride. But woe to the traveler who stops to help her. If the unsuspecting rider sits her in front, she turns her head. If he has placed her behind him, she will make him turn to look at her. In either case, his doom is sealed. How so? the traveler asked. When he looks, the beautiful senorita is gone. The creature riding with him has a huge horse's head with monstrous fangs. Her eyes burn fiery red like hot coals, and her breath stinks like sulfur. With a hiss, she will bury her claws in the shoulders of the rider and hang on like a wild animal. A horse, sensing that he has been ridden by a demon, will bolt in such a frenzy that no one can stop him. What did? asked the younger man, no longer smiling quite so broadly. Those who are found the next day, if they are still alive, will have gone mad from the sight of her. Nonsense, said the traveler, suddenly standing up and tossing down a few pesos to pay for the beer. I must be on my way if I'm to reach my friend's ranch tonight. The older man shrugged, gathered up the coins, and turned away. Clearly, he thought, there is no arguing with a fool. The little town square was deserted. The traveler untied his horse from the hitching post and set out along the road that the cantina's proprietor had pointed out to him earlier. It was a warm night. Not a breath of wind stirred the leaves and the trees on either side of the road. Nothing disturbed the silence, except the clop, clop of his horse's hooves. Suddenly, around a bend, when the town was out of sight behind him and no other building was visible, he saw a slender figure standing in the thick shadows where the trees hung over the road. Slowing his horse, the young man discovered a beautiful girl with a pale face framed by the black lace mantilla that covered her head and which she held under her chin with her left hand. In the moonlight, he could see she had the curly black hair, huge dark eyes, and deep red lips. A senor, she began. Her voice was sweet, but so weak and weary that he feared she must be near fainting. I am so tired, but I must go see my mother, who is ill. Will you take me to Bagasis? It's Barcelona Italian. Of course, he said, bringing his horse to a stop and climbing down. Bowing slightly and removing his hat, he said, My friend's ranch is just south of that town. You can spend the night there with me. In the morning, I will escort you the rest of the way. You are a very kind, senor, she said in such a faint whisper that he had to lean close to make out her words. Then he helped her onto the horse, which had grown restive during their halt, behind his saddle. He mounted himself, and they took off at a good trot. A breeze had arisen to freshen the still air and flutter the leaves and the nearby trees. The moon and stars tinted the landscape pale silver. Several times the traveler tried to make conversation with the woman. But she did not answer. She only leaned her head against his back and clung to his shoulders with her hands, as if she were afraid of fainting and tumbling from the horse. Abruptly, his horse, without any prodding, broke into a gallop. The woman dug her fingers into his shoulders, clearly afraid of falling. 
The young man was too polite to tell her that her nails were digging into his skin. And her gun was digging into his hip. <laughs> the horse gave a cry and charged down the dark road as though something terrible were pursuing them. The traveler pulled back on the reins and shouted, but it did no good. His horse only galloped faster. Suddenly, he felt razor-sharp teeth lock onto his neck so that only the collar of his coat saved his skin. An instant later, he heard a cry that came from no human throat as the awful teeth pulled away a mouthful of his coat collar. He wrapped the ends of his reins around the fingers of one hand, and with his free hand, he struggled to pry loose the fingers that were clamped on his shoulder. As shadow, then moonlight, then shadow again washed over the horse and his two riders, the young man saw the fingers clutching him were too pale. They were the white of bone rather than fair skin. He heard another screech and smelled the creature's foul breath. He felt his strength giving out while the bony fingers pulling at him seemed to grow stronger. The jaws snapped at the back of his neck, this time drawing blood. Then, ahead, he could see his friend's ranch. He thought he could hear dogs barking to signal his arrival. Lights were burning in the hacienda. There were figures running up the road toward him, carrying torches. There was a final, ear-splitting scream from the demon behind him. He felt his whole body jerked backward. A hand that was tangled in the reins pulled backward suddenly, causing his horse to rear up, then fall sideways. Both riders fell with the animal. The traveler was knocked senseless for a moment. When he came to, his friend, holding a torch, was staring at him, asking if he was all right. He nodded, still shaking from his near brush with death. When he touched his hand to the stinging at the back of his neck, his fingers came away bloody. He looked around hastily, but all he saw was a crowd of friendly-looking campesinos, countrymen, watching him. One was calming his horse, which was on his feet again. Where is it? The creature, he asked his friend. Okay? What creature? The cegua. <laughs> oh, my friend, laughed the other man. You stayed too long at some cantina, I think. <laughs> Even though we are friends. This thing why is a story to frighten children, nothing more. Still, uh, next time you ride at night, be sure you travel with a companion. These lonely roads can be dangerous in the dark, mi amigo. The young man said nothing, but he shivered just a little when the night breeze brought the lingering odor of sulfur to his nostrils. Dramatic guitar. That's a good one. That's El Segua. Segua. Well, oh, I mean, here's my question. Uh, I, okay. The minute he's out of town, the minute it's out of sight, everything exactly as described happens. happening, yeah. He's like, well, okie dokie. I mean, he didn't turn around, mm-hmm. so no. he's got that going for him. But, but yeah, a shadowy... Uh, figure in the darkness that comes up and is the the exact thing that that guy described to him at the cantina. Yeah. Come on, man. So now this guy's like the only seg- segua survivor? Seguiver? Well, he's supposed to go mad now, right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. He's a, he's a MacGyver seguiver. <laughs> Burned it. <laughs> oh, damn it. That's right. I don't have any yet. <laughs> um, I mean, Dave, let me ask you this. Yes, David. Is there any girl that's so pretty that you would ignore being just told about imminent death if you picked up 
such a pretty girl. Just one. She lives in Iowa, and I like her. Okay. All right. <laughs> thought you were going to give me a silly answer, and I wasn't going to puke. <laughs> but I didn't, and you still get and to I, puke. And I get to puke. All right. Uh, there you go. So that's that's the first one. What what do you got? Oh, man. Well, all my answers born and raised in the USA. <laughs> I've got an apocryphal tale of academia. <laughs> well, none of our listeners are going through <laughs> university right now. I know, right? Well, this is this is good. This is there's a moral to this story. It's called "Don't Turn on the Light." <laughs> a harrowing tale of energy conservation. <laughs> right. She commandeered the room in the basement of her dorm as soon as she realized she would have to pull an all-nighter in order to prepare for tomorrow's final exam. Her roommate, Jenna, liked to get to bed early, so she packed up everything she thought she would need and went downstairs to study. And study, and study some more. And study she did. Lord have mercy. Finally, it was 2 o'clock in the morning when she realized that she'd left one of her textbooks upstairs on her bed. With a dramatic sigh, (sighs) she rose and climbed the stairs slowly to her third floor dorm room. The lights were dim in the long hallway, and the old boards creaked under her weary tread. She reached her room and turned the handle as softly as she could, pushing the door open just enough to slip inside so that the hall lights wouldn't wake her roommate. The room was filled with a strange metallic smell. She frowned a bit, arms breaking out into chills. There was a strange feeling of malice in the room, as if a malevolent gaze were fixed upon her. It was a mind trick, not the Jedi kind. The all-nighter was catching up with her. She could hear Jenna breathing on the far side of the room, a heavy sound, almost as if she had been running. Uh, Awkward. Oh yeah. Maybe Jenna's getting swifty. She took a shit on the dorm floor. <laughs> yeah, here's a tip. If you come into your dorm room at night and your uh, your a bed roommate sounds out of breath, <laughs> pretend that they're asleep. Don't look over. Mm-hmm. That's that's basic roommating right there. Jenna must have picked up a cold during the last tense week before finals, or Jenna was reading um, Fifty Shades of Grey. You don't know. She crept along the wall until she reached her bed, groping among the covers for the stray history textbook. In the silence, she could hear a steady drip, drip, drip sound. She sighed silently. (laughs) Facilities would have to come fix the sink in the bathroom. Again. Her fingers closed on the textbook. She picked it up softly and withdrew from the room as silently as she could. Relieved to be out of the room, she hurried back downstairs collapsed into an overstuffed chair and studied until six o'clock. She finally decided that enough was enough. If she slipped upstairs now, she could get a couple hours sleep before her nine o'clock exam. The first of the sun's rays were beaming through the window as she slowly slid the door open, hoping not to awaken Jenna. Her nose was met by an earthy metallic smell a second before her eyes registered the scene in her dorm room. Jenna was spread eagled on top of her bed against the far wall, her throat cut from ear to ear and her nightdress stained with blood. Two drops of blood fell from the saturated blanket with a drip-drip noise that sounded like a leaky faucet. Scream after scream poured from her mouth, but she couldn't stop herself any more than she could cease wringing her hands. 
All along the hallway, doors slammed and footsteps came running down the passage. Within moments, other students had gathered in her doorway, and one of her friends gripped her arm with a shaking hand and pointed a trembling finger towards the wall. Her eyes widened in shock at what she saw. Then she fainted into her friend's arms. On the wall above her bed, written in her roommate's blood were the words, Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Boogity, boogity. Question mark? I would be if I were you. In fact, when I was in school, (laughs) you scared me, which then I thought was a hilarious irony as I am the homicidal lunatic and you're a victim, but you scared me because of your, do you get, it was a juxtaposition. And so I let you live. (laughs) Love the homicidal maniac. (laughs) So moral of the story is all nighters don't do them. What are they good for? Absolutely Absolutely nothing. Hoo-ha! 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 So there you go. Don't turn out the lights, or don't turn on the lights. Don't do anything with the light. Yeah. Blind yourself. (laughs) That's one of of them urban legends. Mm-hmm. That's for everyone working zero-hour contracts at university. (laughs) This one goes out to my homeboys at university. And homegirls. Actually, I think it's more homegirls than homeboys, I think, is the, the breakdown, at least from what listener mail shows us. All right, I got a I got a short one here. Good. This one's called Problem Number Twelve. Wow. So that's like it's way past Jessica, Angela, Rita. That's problem number twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the babysitters in town wouldn't go near the house on Carney Hill. <laughs> Who would? <laughs> But Eliza was new in town, so she hadn't heard the stories. All she knew was that Mr. and Mrs. Kerr needed a babysitter, and she needed the money. The Kerrs and their three children seemed friendly enough. So what if the house was decorated with dozens of clown paintings? Eliza wasn't afraid of clowns. She couldn't understand why so many kids were. Joe and I will be back around 10 o'clock, said Mrs. Kerr. Make sure the kids get to bed by 9. The well-behaved children drew pictures quietly, mostly of clowns, and then watched an old black-and-white TV show called Circus Boy until it was bedtime. After the kids were all in their beds, the babysitter reluctantly began doing her math homework under a giant painting which hung over the fireplace. A few minutes later, Eliza glanced up from her work and noticed that the sad clown in the painting seemed to be looking at her. Nonsense, she thought. It was just that she was sitting right in the clown's line of sight. Still, she took her books and went over to the other side of the room. When Eliza finished her homework, she looked up again at the painting. No, it couldn't be. The clown was looking right at her. Eliza shut her eyes so tightly they felt like they were going to pop out of her head. Then suddenly, she heard the children screaming, and she ran upstairs toward the bedrooms. Out of the corner of her eye, she could have sworn she saw that the clown was no longer in the painting. At the top of the stairs, Eliza froze. There, standing right in front of her, was the clown from the painting. (laughs) How's the math going? (laughs) 
He laughed. Jesus! I've been watching you all night. (laughs) Please be a cloud someday. (laughs) His large red shoes began moving towards her, and then he whispered, I think you got problem number 12 wrong. (laughs) The last thing to come from Eliza's lips was a blood-curdling scream. Then the lights went out at the house on Kearney Hill. The children were not able to explain what had happened and the police never found Eliza. In all the confusion, no one noticed that Eliza had missed just one math problem, the last one. Problem 12. And somehow no one noticed that the sad clown in the giant painting over the fireplace was no longer sad. Finally, no one noticed that there was something reflected in the clown's eyes. It was a girl, and she was screaming. It's a that is a well that is a fucking spot on terrifying clown laugh. Well played, Flora. Here you go. You don't like clowns, right? I'm okay with them. Okay. I don't have like a phobia about them or anything. Yeah. Well, whoever does, that was the story for them. Let's keep trucking. All right, well, I've got a a chilling tale, and for this one, you need not wonder what accent I'm going to choose. Can I wander? (laughs) You can wander. Or why I chose this story more or less unread. I've got only the most approximate idea of what happens, (laughs) (laughs) because the title of this story is, Hold Him, Tab! (laughs) It is. It's Hold Him, Tab! (laughs) Yep, I remember what it was like before the railroad came through these parts. I used to earn my living by carting supplies from town to town on horse-drawn wagons. (laughs) No easy work, no sir, especially in winter. One cold December day, I was traveling with my buddy Tab. (laughs) When it began to snow... Gee willikers, it was cold. I'm sorry to have a swear in here, but it's just the way the story goes. Set the mood. We needed to find shelter quick, and I was delighted when I spotted an abandoned house. We thought we were real lucky finding such good shelter. (laughs) As we unhitched the horses, a fella stopped by to talk to us. Claimed he was the owner of the property. Told us we were welcome to stay, but the house was haunted. By him, because he was just hanging around there, apparently. (laughs) The owner said that no one who had ever stayed in that house had made it out alive. That was good enough for me. I hitched old Betty, I mean Betsy, (laughs) back up to the wagon and moved up the road to a stand of trees that offered some shelter from the snow. Now, editorially, for this story, it says Tab's a man. I'm going to change that, so just, just so you know. Tab said she wasn't afraid of no ghosts, like that movie, and she didn't plan on perishing in the snow. Well, I wasn't about to risk my neck in a haunted house. 
I built a fire as best I could and waited through the long night, wondering a couple of times if Tab wasn't the smart one. As I often do. Tab's very smart. You're the one who went to community college. Well, I'm just saying. Very smart. There's book smarts and there's street smarts. Well, just about dawn, I gave up trying to sleep and went back down the road to see how Tab had fared through the night. I peeked through the windows on the first floor. I saw Tab snoozing peacefully in a big bed. She looked warm and happy. Then I saw a movement on the ceiling. I looked up, and there was a large man dressed all in white, floating flat against the ceiling. The man was right over Tab, looking down on her. Tab! I hissed. (laughs) Tapping at the window. Tab! Get out of there, you fool! Well, Tab woke, but instead of looking toward the window, she looked straight up and saw the man on the ceiling. Tab gave an awful yell, but before she could move out of the bed, that man fell and landed right on top of her. Inappropriate. Now, Tab was a big, strong lady, but that ghost was powerful. They wrestled back and forth on that bed, and I gave a shout and smashed the glass in the window, shouting, Hold him, Tab! Hold him! Just then, the ghost flung himself and Tab right at me, knocking me back out the window and into the snow. The ghost levitated himself and Tab onto the roof of the front porch. And I kept shouting, Hold him, Tab! Hold him! Which, in retrospect, he was the ghost. I imagine that was difficult. (laughs) The ghost and Tab were wrestling frantically on the porch roof. The ghost gave a mighty leap and threw Tab onto the roof of the house. Now, at this point, you might wonder what I screamed. But I decided in my moment of panic to stick to what I knew. Hold him, Tab, I shouted. Hold him. Then the ghost lifted Tab right into the air. Again? Again. I got him, Tab cried. But he got me too. They were floating a few feet off the roof, still grappling with each other. And then the ghost carried Tab straight up into the air and they vanished. And I never saw Tab again. Spookily dookily. (laughs) Is that it? That's the end. I did everything I could. I kept saying, hold him, Tab. And then Tab just wouldn't hold him. I couldn't understand if if he put ghost wax in Tab's ears or what. (laughs) It's the worst ghost story I've ever heard. No, the ghost just kept dragging them out the outside of the house and then launched themselves into the sky. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is it. I'm, glad, I'm glad that uh, the narrator was very happy being a spectator to the whole thing. Right. Just shouting instructions. Yeah. <laughs> Cheering them on. If anything, helping. I mean, shattering the window, allowing them to tumble out. Yeah. Yeah. It was more of a, an accessory to the crime. So there you go. Try to try to sleep after hearing that. Yeah. That's one. Flora. Um, would you like to continue this march of terror? Yeah. Yeah, let's let's terrorize some more. Got a story called Checked Out. Whoa, I hope it's hotel room themed. It's not. It What the f Well, I hope I hope it's not a descriptor of my reaction to it. Oh no. I hope you'll you'll add quite a bit of uh, oh, what what's that? I'm sorry. I'll be I was staring off to nothing else. I'm uh, sorry, we're used to Oh yeah. All right. Here we go. 
It was a big, cold house with no television. Damn it. But Raven's mom always said the same thing. That's so Raven. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) Just for an hour. We just need to visit Aunt Ruby. Lately, Aunt Ruby stayed in bed upstairs during the visits. After a little while, her mom would tell Raven to wait downstairs in the library. The library was large and dusty with a stench of old, rotting wood. Raven would listen to her music, play on her iPhone, and hope for the time to tick by quickly. But one day, she began looking at the books on the shelves. She had never paid much attention to them before, and now noticed that they all looked the same, with brown leather covers and gold titles. There were hundreds and hundreds of them that lined three walls of the room. She'd heard of some of the books, like Moby Dick and The Great Gatsby. But as tunes blasted in her ears, she came across one rather strange book on the bottom shelf. She pulled it out. It looked exactly like all the other books, like it had been there for centuries. But the title was different. Raven Wilson. That was her name. (gasps) She took the book over to a large chair and opened it. Turning off her music, she started reading the typed print. October 16th. Raven is born. She flipped ahead a little. April 17th. Grandma dies and Raven pretends to be sad. Hey, who wrote this? Raven whispered to the book. A queasy feeling washed over her. She turned the page and kept reading. September 22. Raven breaks little Andre's crayons in half. When he starts to cry, she tells him he should be happy because now he has twice as many as before. May 29. Raven gets mad and throws her mom's favorite Nina Simone record on the roof. Raven dropped the book into her lap. She was now sweating in the cold house, sweating and feeling like her heart was about to explode because it was pounding so hard. How did anybody know about any of this, and why were they writing it down in a book? Was it Aunt Ruby? Raven gasped out loud when her mom called from upstairs. We're leaving in ten minutes! Raven felt sweet relief. She had to get out of the house. She turned to the last entry. January 22. Raven's mom tells her that they'll be leaving Aunt Ruby's house in ten minutes. How did that happen, she said, her eyes darting around the room. She looked down again at the last page. But now, new words had appeared. Her blood turned into a raging river of ice-cold terror, and she started shivering. January 22. It's coming for her. Raven screamed in her mind. She tried to get up and run for the door, but her legs were petrified. Fear gripped her completely. She thought she now heard strange breathing fill the room. But all she could do was sit in the chair and look down in horror at the final entry as an ominous shadow crept across the book. January 22. They will never hear her screams. And they did didn't. But they heard the badger. Yeah. Well, they were in the kitchen dealing with the badger problem. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's a cool take on a ghost story. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of digging the, the new sources for these. Yeah. We, yeah. Got in. So checked out was a, a library reference. I get it. I see. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. Huh. Library. Or library. Library. Uh, so, what do you got? Well, well, dear listeners, avast ye. Pull up a, a deck swab and listen to my sea tale of shanty sadness. Of scary, nautical, 
my goodnessing. <laughs> this one, it comes with a stage note. The story it says, read aloud as with a, with a pirate accent. Are you going to? Can he write? Oh. The story is called All Fish Brains. All Fish Brains. Well, all fish brains. They sure do. Yoy, mateys. Gather round and see if ye can stomach this tale of the sea. Oh, well, sh- I wouldn't have done that already if I knew the story actually had that built into it. <laughs> all right. All Preemptive. Right. Yeah. If you have the spine for it, I. For this here be the tale of old fish brains, it be. Yo ho ho and a bottle of clam juice. I, I, that part, I, I can't control what is written. Tis no great mystery why the men of Stella call him old fish brains neither. Save me the heads, Cookie. He would whisper to the cook with a black look in his eye. The heads. He would pop out the eyes that are off fish heads with his rotten teeth and chomp them like they be gum. And then suck out the brains to the empty eye saucer. And that's how, that's how a stroke sounds. <laughs> then suck out the brains to the empty eye sockets. And there he'd be all a slurping and a smiling with fish blood and brain juice running down his beard. Yar. Sometimes pieces, sometimes whole eyeballs would drop down into that beard. And the eyes would look out at you and you'd swear that they could see right through you. And every sin ever stained your soul. Hey. Twas all he would eat. Real picky that way he was. Yar, sure enough, old fish brains, twas a crazy old seabird. There be no question of that, mateys. He blew his nose on his shirt and sometimes forgot to wear his eye patch to cover the ugly hole where his eye used to be before he rubbed it out of his head after an extra crusty biscuit. It's a run-on sentence. <laughs> now batten down the hatches, mateys, because uh, there's a squall of a run-on sentence, a, br- <laughs> a port to the ship. All hands to the run-on-sentence stations. There be no question of that, mateys. He blew his nose on his shirt and sometimes forgot to wear his eye patch to cover the ugly hole where his eye used to be before he rubbed it out of his head after an extra crusty biscuit crumb got in there. (sighs) But he talked to the map and the buried treasure so often that some among the crew started to believe. Not only that they would admit it, I, but in their lonely bunks with only the lice for company, they dreamed of those gold coins and those gold coins that increased in number every time old Crow told the tale. One night, four weeks out at sea, it was, these two unsavory buckos break into the last rum barrel on board and start a-drinking and a-talking, a-talking and a-drinking, talking about the treasure. Now... Interesting point of fact. If you're only four weeks out from port and you're all out of rum, then the captain of the ship is asleep at the wheel. Flog him. Where's the purser? Toss him. Yar. Now I know where he keeps that map. One, the one says to the other, "'Twould be an easy thing." So they set a plan and the deed for the next night when old fish brains be asleep in his bunk. But the old bird bakes up and pulls a knife. A terrible ruckus ensues, and the next thing anyone knows, old fish brains has the blade sticking out of his one good eye. And right before he dies, he sits up and yells, Save me the heads! On account of the brain damage the knife had caused, it was just a synapse firing. Yar, yar. Well, nobody who saw did it, or else nobody was willing to say. Anyway, everyone from the captain to the cook felt more at ease now that old fish brains was gone. Aye, a quick prayer and over the side of the ship and gone to Davy Jones' locker was he. Glug, 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 gone. Arr. <laughs> it was a still black night three weeks later. No stars nor moon cut through the dripping fog. Not a drop of wind in all the sea and a quiet, eerie... 
and a redundant, quiet, eerie quiet hung over the port. I, a creepy feeling come in over the water and all dark and dead-like. Twas then that they saw her out in the water. The Stella, it had to be. No life blowing in her ragged sails, just hanging there all akimbo. But somehow she was moving closer and closer to shore. And when she came closer still, they could see the crew standing on deck. The first mate gripping the wheel, the captain next to him. Aye, not a sound they made moving through the water on that terrible night. And as she came even closer, some among the crowd let out a gasp, utters a scream. Some made no sound, just fainted. Others still ran back to the town, to the hills. It didn't seem to matter where, aye, for the men of the Stella were all missing their heads, you see. Every last one of them. Not a head among the whole lot, aye. Dead men tell no tales, so the few landlubbers who still had their wits about them were left with as many questions but few answers. How did the Stella make its way back to port with a dead crew? How could the ship move with no wind in her sails? And what happened to the men and their heads? Well, they never found the heads of the sailors to the cellar. Yar, some say the ghost of old fish brains took them. But that can't be. After all, there'll be no such thing as ghosts. Yar. Sea badgers. Sea badgers. Got me again. Gnawing <laughs> on me pig leg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my throat hurts now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we sacrifice for these episodes. We do. We do. We do. That's that. Uh, I brought you that chilling, chilling tale. Uh, Flora, I think it's, uh, you're going to round us out with some. Some poetry like you do. Yep, I've got a perm. I love perms. This was written by M.A. Sullivan, and it's called Spooky. Podcast kind of creepy with a spooky flow poem told by Flora. At the end of the podcast, when everything is getting kind of sleepy, David Flora finds a book and pulls out a poem that's all creepy. I wish it was done, and then he says, "No, no luck, son," and then he stops and reads from his phone. Podcast kind of creepy. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's all I, I. What is that from? That song, Spooky Little Girl. Mm-hmm. Love is kind of freaky with a spooky little girl like you. I even know the hand gestures from Freedom Rock commercial. <laughs> who's who sang that? Oh uh, boy, I should know that, but I don't. Well, here we go. He's darkest night on the darkest street. Is it Batman? The haunting shuffle of a stranger's feet. He's the gnarled tree and its grasping vine. The icy finger down your tingling spine. He's the shifting form in a swirling fog. The glowing eyes of the stalking dog. He's the wrenching creak beneath your floors. As you dash inside and bolt the doors. He's the fear that seeps into your bone. When there's silence on your telephone, he'll find you when you're all alone. He's spooky. Get these badgers out of here. <laughs> yeah, there's too many badgers in this podcast.
He's spooky. He's spooky. It it sounds like a that that was it. I mean, as far as I know, that was that was the whole poem. But it sounds like uh, the setup for more, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It sounds like there's just 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 about to be more. I could hear some more of that, but I'm not going to. That'll do it for us for campfire ghost stories. In a badger chewed, <laughs> badger chewed, waterlogged, clown painted nutshell. Yeah, woof. Well, you, well, it's now it's time to face the rear terror. The real. <laughs> it's time. Oh, to- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got the rear terror in front of yeah. me right now. <laughs> it's time to face. <laughs> it's time to face the real terror. Puns. <laughs> I'm going first. Oh, steal mine, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm probably gonna. Uh, I've got uh, a horrifying tale. No. Yep. Of We've had a, so many. Of an old, old restaurant. Yeah. It's been around for a very long time. Has it? And over its tragic history, many people have died mysteriously, um, particularly in the back kitchen area. Okay. You know, before they replaced it, you know, now they have like a really nice sanitary Hobart system, you know, which if you ever worked in a restaurant, you know all about that. But, um, for a long time, it was just, just such a dangerous area. And there was said to be a vengeful spirit Uh that lived actually in the sink where they would wash all the plates and things. They called them old dish drains. (laughs) (laughs) Not old fish brains. Old dish drains. Old dish drain. Come right up out of the sink. Get you. Take your boogity. head off. Make you drop a plate. Now you got to. It's coming out of your pay, Ernesto. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was kind of scared there for a second. You might take mine because oh. uh, I, I have I have a horrendous green demon uh-huh. that, that gets its claws in your face. Oh, oh man. And you, then you can't escape it. But it looks so tasty when you see it. You you just you can't refuse it. Okay. It's El Segua Camole. <laughs> That's good. Oh, I've boy, you you scared me. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh I have a new sponsor to the podcast. It's um Who is it? It's a way to to get around the city. Um if you don't feel like uh you know, if you're if you're tired, you you get lost easily. It's, uh, you know, someone will literally climb onto your back while you're riding a bike <laughs> and, you know, tell you directions and, and where to go. Yeah. And, uh, it's called a, uh, a, a Segway. <laughs> Sniff that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can take tours with those things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. Demon Se- tours. Segway tours. All right, round us out here. I've got a movie for you. Oh, great. You're going to love this one. I better. It's a movie where a clown assembles a team of circus freaks to rob a school of its math textbooks. Brilliant. It's crime of the century. Problem number Ocean's 12. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Problem number Ocean's... That sounds like it was translated from another language into English. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it was Italian first. <laughs> oh man! Well, then let us let us now. Now it's time for you to frighten us. Please do. 
with Please your scare us with your loose. <laughs> <laughs> And now, Dave, light your spooky fire, pitch your spooky tent, <laughs> burn your spooky marshmallow, <laughs> yeah! flashlight face. I don't know if that's uh, premature or not. Well, I think I'll allow it. This uh, this version is, we're going to have a few stories from you, the listener. Yes. First, Dave. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, we've got a we've only got a few stories. We've got more that will come up in our Halloween edition. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This is an appetizer. Halloween. It's an appetizer for you Halloween. Ever, <laughs> have you ever, ever heard somebody say "ween"? No. Halloween. No. And me either. Have you ever imagined it? Could you? Could you just fathom silly Halloween? Use all those E's. All right. This one comes to us from the devilish apparition. the devilish apparition. This uh, is untitled. Uh-huh. Then I will call it Dirty Old Witch's Bones. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Here we go. <laughs> I want to name stories without knowing what they're about. <laughs> Tommy had gone to stay with his uncle on the Hopi reservation for the summer. It was always lots of fun, and his uncle would tell him all about the legends and stories of his heritage. Summers at the reservation were wonderful, except for the spiders that always seemed to appear from out of nowhere. He had been afraid of spiders for as long as he could remember, but ever since the morning he'd woken up to find a large swollen lump on the roof of his mouth, that had turned out to be a spider bite, he'd hated them with a passion. Inside of his mouth? In his mouth. Uh, Thomas, stop! His uncle had cautioned him, anger in his voice. Ignore. If that was anger from, from his uncle, I'd hate to see. Ignoring Thomas, him. stop. Stop! Tommy grinned as he deliberately lowered his foot, enjoying the satisfying, squishing crunch the spider's body made as he stomped it into a crusty smear on the dirt. It's a very bad thing to kill a spider for no reason, his uncle told him sternly. Tommy replied that, as far as he was concerned, just being a spider was more than enough reason. His uncle started to explain, yet again, how spiders were not only helpful, but also an important part of his heritage but gave up when he realized that it was a lost cause. Sighing as he walked away, Tommy's uncle warned him, You would do well to remember the legends. All spiders are the family of the spider goddess, and if you aren't careful, the old spider woman is going to come get you one day for killing so many of her children. I don't want this story to continue. That night, Tommy lay awake in his bed, thinking of his uncle's words. What a load of superstitious nonsense, he snorted, to him, he snorted to himself. He couldn't understand how his uncle believed all those old stories. How could a grown-up believe something so stupid? There was no such thing as a spider goddess, Tommy told himself as he closed his eyes and drifted off to sleep. There's no such thing as... <laughs> he was awoken sometime during the night by a soft rustling sound. I must have forgotten to close the window, he thought sleepily, 
and now the curtains are blowing in the breeze. Rubbing the sleep from his eyes, he gazed in the direction of the window to make sure that the curtain wasn't going to knock anything off his desk, and realized that there was no light coming through it. The room was pitch black. Switching on his bedside lamp, he learned why. A row of what looked like tree trunks were covering the entire wall. Confused, he looked to the other side of the room and saw that four more identical trunks were covering the opposite wall as well. Following the strange logs up to the ceiling, Tommy let out a strangled moan as he realized they weren't trunks or logs at all. They were legs. Eight massive legs which were attached to a waking nightmare. So large that it completely covered his ceiling, there was the gigantic body of a spider. In a moment of horrible understanding, Tommy realized he was inside of a room made entirely out of the monstrous creature. The soft clicking of enormous fangs and the rustling movement of legs as they shifted toward him were the last things Tommy ever knew, and darkness filled the room once more. That is a terrible, terrible story. There's the postscript. This is why you go to sleep with flamethrowers. Sorry, Stecco, not trying to establish a trend. So I promise that this will be the last spider-related thing I write for a while. Ghibli, ghibli. Just waking up. Because the underside of a spider is the worst side of a spider. (laughs) Where all the legs join up and Mm. chelicery and little pedipalps. Thank you, devilish apparition. Thank you, devilish apparition. I got a story from Garrett B. What's Garrett B saying? Garrett tells us it was the summer of 2010. It was the summer of 2010. I don't, I don't, I can't tell at this point having not read it. That's kind of one of our rules. I don't know if you guys knew that, that we, we don't read these in advance because then it makes it more fun. Uh, this might be a true story. Okay. Which is how you should start all ghost stories. But this one might, I don't, I don't think this is a fictional story. It was the summer of 2020. It was the summer of 2020. I was stationed on Hill Air Force Base, Utah. One summer night, I was standing in my driveway. My house was at the top of a hill. This gave me a great view over the city of Clearfield and the Salt Lake. Suddenly, a bright blue light caught my eye and blinked three times. The light turned on and off in intervals of four seconds. I brushed this off as someone playing with a laser, and I happened to be in the path. The following day, I got on Google Maps and was checking out the area that this light seemed to have come from, and there are no houses or businesses. Strangely enough, right next to the lake in the same path, there was a nature preserve. Soon I, for- soon I forgot the blue light until a snowy winter night. My wife and I had gotten in an argument and I went outside to literally cool off. As I was scooping snow, I had my back to the road. Without a warning, a bright blue light shone around me. The light was so bright that I saw my shadow cast on the wall. My first thought was that my wife or our nosy neighbor had called the cops. But then I turned and there was no car or any sound. That's when I looked up and saw a bright blue light that moved in a circular motion. It was silent, just above the snow clouds. The lights hovered there for several seconds and then disappeared. I was left dumbfounded, standing in the snow, and that's when I noticed a slight blowing sound of the wind. This was the last I have ever seen the light so far. I was on a military base, so I wasn't surprised to have a hovering vehicle around the base. To add to the mystery, even our stealth helicopters have rotor wash, which would kick up all the snow that was falling around. I have not seen any light since. I'm not convinced that it was the, quote, Sukalos sound aliens, but rather a secret government aircraft, but we might never know. Could also have been a giant spider. 
<laughs> and also, Yikes. points to your wife for not calling the cops. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Thank you, Garrett. Thanks, Garrett. Spooky. And finally, this one comes from listener Annie. Hi, Annie. Wait a minute. The wait. <laughs> I recall last fall we got a, we got a scary story from a girl named Annie, and it was about alien abductions that turned out to be a cliffhanger. But then there was no resolution forthcoming. Is this that same Annie? Maybe. Man, you- I can't wait to hear this story. It's got to be part two of the original. Uh, this one is untitled. You can keep this story. <laughs> What's the title of it? Oh. You get to name it. Uh, th- this is uh, called The Curse of the Juggler's Bones. Bones is a theme. It's scary. Title. Bones are scary, Bones dude. Bones scary. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. It's about a juggler. Okay. <laughs> I get it. I get your reference. Your your sound reference. <laughs> I get your circus sound reference. <laughs> I get your juggling circus sound <laughs> reference. <laughs> Jeffrey, 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 Jeffrey. Mark and Lucy were walking back to their car in the dark forest. Their anniversary picnic had gone late, and the veil of night had turned everything a shade darker and creepier. The comfort of having one another kept their mood light. They reached their car with giggles of delight. <laughs> that was... That scared more than one listener, I bet. <laughs> Just that giggle. <laughs> Badger giggles. Mark unlocked the car and Lucy hopped in. Mark was putting the picnic basket in the back, and when he reached for the front door, he heard two young girls giggling. <laughs> Mark looked around but couldn't make anything out. A young girl screamed out. Lucy, stay here. I'm going to help those girls, Mark said. He pulled out his phone and used it to light the path as he ran. Help me, please, won't somebody help me? No matter how long he ran, the voices sounded distant. Mark stopped to catch his breath. He leaned over his legs to breathe. He closed his eyes to try to hear exactly how far away they sounded. A loud snap behind him made him spin. A tall, lanky man stood there. Sorry, sir, didn't mean to frighten you. I'm a ranger. Your wife saw me and asked me to come after you. She said you just took off. I want to help those girls. What girls? The ones that are yelling. I don't hear anything. They're screaming for help. Don't you hear them? Sir, I was in the parking lot. Your wife's worried. This isn't the first time this has happened. They say that 20 years ago, two young girls died in this forest. Their parents were on a picnic and the girls slipped on some rocks and started to slide and they fell over the edge of that cliff and died. So now at night, they call out for help, and sometimes people fall off that cliff trying to find them. As the ranger told his story, the sound of the girls had disappeared. Can I take you back to your wife? Yeah, thanks. They walked in silence. Mark tried to hear the girls. Wanted to make sure he wasn't being tricked, but it was painfully quiet the whole way back. A feeling of embarrassment started to creep over Mark. He could have run off a cliff because of ghosts, which he wasn't even sure existed. They reached the car. Thanks for helping me out, Ranger. No problem. Have a safe night. Mark opened the car door. What was that all about? Asked Lucy. I thought I heard girls yelling for help. Did you hear them? No. I would have kept running, but the Ranger you sent caught up to me. What Ranger? 
The, the tall, lanky guy. The, you, you told him you were worried about me. I haven't talked to anyone. There's a story that a ranger died here 20 years ago, and now he tries to help people when they're lost at night. Are, are you feeling okay? I, I don't know, Mark said. Maybe we should have you see Dr. Hopmeyer. He did promise that he'd be available 24-7. Yeah, I, I don't know what's happening. They drove to Dr. Hopmeyer's house. Mark prayed that he wasn't going crazy. Luckily, Dr. Hopmeyer was willing to see him right away. Mark went into his office and waited. Dr. Hopmeyer entered with a smile. Hello, Mark. You scheduled this emergency meeting. Tell me what's going on. Well, Lucy and I were out on a picnic for our anniversary, and I I don't know, I I came across some people, they might have been ghosts. Mark, your wife died 20 years ago. You're lying. Mark, why would I lie? I died 20 years ago. Mark's head started to spin. He heard a loud bang. A flash of fire burning everywhere flashed across his eyes. Bang. The sound of Lucy screaming for help. Screech. Seeing everyone he loved had died. Click. Zardin and Morton stood behind the glass panel observing Mark in their space outpost. Yeah! (laughs) General Klovak had stopped by for an update. (laughs) So you see, his mind is stuck in a constant battle where he remembers the people that he loved and then remembers they are dead explains Zardin. He is unable to accept his reality that he's the only person that survived his planet's invasion. Are you getting any closer to finding out anything about the species that destroyed Earth? Asked Klorvac. We think there's a clue from a sound he makes when he sleeps. It goes, bang, bang, screech, said Zardin. There's also a click, bang, bang, screech, click. Do you think he'll ever get out of his trance, or will he be stuck in this loop of remembering his loved ones are dead? He's been stuck for twenty years. I don't think it's likely he will ever stop the cycle. The pity they were going to feel was replaced by horror, as a distinct bang, bang, screech, click was heard. They looked at Mark, who was staring straight at them. Bang, bang, screech, click. It got louder and louder until it rattled their souls. Bang, bang, screech, click. The end. So it was like a reverse sixth sense. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, thank you, Annie. I thought the, I thought everyone on the planet had fallen into the ravine. <laughs> Thanks, Annie. That, that may be a, that may be what happened. Maybe that's what these uh, the bang screech aliens. Yeah, did they? I just... like that story. I like that it had an ending. Annie, you are still on the hook for a cliffhanger. Oh, me. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care. I don't care about the listeners. I don't care about David Flora. I need that story. I need that story. (laughs) Well, thank you, Annie. And thank you all who have sent in uh, stories. We will have Blurry Photober. It's coming. Cavalcade of listener. Crazy. 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 Crazy town. Characters. (laughs) <laughs> character cavalcade and we'll uh we'll get to more listener mail uh yeah. soon i would suspect yeah hint hint wink wink boom so there you go that is uh that is your portion of this podcast that's you this is where you're a star you oh so thank you guys so much thank please you. keep writing 
please keep listening. One more time. Can I do it one more time? Oh, yeah. yeah without yeah. they do it again. Without they, no, do it again. I'm not going to do it. Now. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Please keep writing. Five stars us on the iTunes. Yeah, write us. Thumbs write us up us on the Facebook. Well. <laughs> how it works. <laughs> um, uh, re- retweets us. Sure. On the Twitters. Yeah. Uh, and um, wallet punch us on the donates. Oh, nice. Yeah. Also, Audible us. Oh, yeah. On the yep. trial. Yeah. Just do, God, it's just do it. Just, just come on. Let us give you something for free. Yeah. You want, you want a couple of great suggestions? John Scalzi's new book just came out, mm-hmm. The End of All Things. I know that's available as an audiobook. Ernest Klein's new book, Armada, just came out. He's the author of Ready Player One, which is one of my favorite books. That's read by uh, Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Will Wheaton, if you have to, Selling, if you're nasty. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's tons of great stuff. So they got all the Jared Diamond books on there. Oh yeah, I, I listened to Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Really strongly recommend Collapse. Really great book, also mm-hmm. by Jared Diamond. So yeah, there's tons of stuff out there. Come on, come on. So there you go. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Gird your loins, prepare your souls, because we are on the march to blurry Photober, where we are at the zenith of our power. We will be Photobering hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, big announcement. We finally settled after what, 18 months of casual fan voting on uh, the name of our fans. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, listen, this isn't the law. You do what you want. It's America. You do what you want. But the official sanctioned seal of approval term for blurry photos fandom is mr flora blurrivers that's right blurrivers or if you're if you're running short on time reavers that's so great that's right and a big thanks to listener katie for suggesting katie way to go high five you won the contest that we never announced that's right but we will still reward you in some way we have yet to determine that's right. Maybe a King of Halloween certificate. Oh, there's only one king, and it's Great Cat Fancy Feast. So thank you, Katie. So, yep. so boom. You're listening to us. You're you a blur You know who Eaver. we are. You know who you are. And when enough of us get together in a room, someone can scream, Reavers! Reavers! And then great. we'll all go crazy. Yeah. So there you go. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll eventually turn that into some shirts and, and merchandise, yeah. I'm sure. Absolutely. But, uh, For sale on our website. Yeah, um, Blue Reavers, Reavers. There yeah. you go. I'm a Blue Reaver. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to work. I don't I'm think that's how that harder. song goes. I don't think that's how that song goes at all. Which, which song? Oh, I don't know. Which... Ah, so shut up. <laughs> I thought you were singing the monkey song. What? Oh, no. I, I was doing Destiny's Child. Oh, what? My bad. Your your thing. Look, it can work so many ways. Yeah, I I am 100% unaware of any of Destiny Child's music, so my bad. <laughs> I don't I don't know it. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what. Yours makes more sense because I was doing, I think it's Survivor. I'm uh, a survivor. I'm not going to get harder. I know that you're doing and a I don't know why that recreation went, I don't, it, I don't, why I don't, I don't recognize that, it. But, but you're right. I'm a believer. I'm a believer when I try. Bone and bone and bone and <laughs> yeah, bone see, okay, there it goes. I thought podcasts were only true in fairy tales. <laughs> podcasts are true in fairy tales. Till I heard Dave and David, <laughs> oh yeah. 
All right, so <laughs> we'll figure that out someday. But this is like our makeup songs on the fly episode. I like it. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being Blurievers. Yeah. Thanks, Reavers. I think that'll do it for this episode of Blurry Photos. Yeah. Hope you had some nice uh, campfire uh, shivers going there. <laughs> yeah. Shivers and giggles. <laughs> Char, shivers and giggles. Char, shiver me giggles. <laughs> I'm Dave, the pirate run on sentence, Stecco. And I'm David. <laughs> <laughs> Laura. <laughs> bye. Honk. It's, it's, it's not really bye. I'm under its bed. But I'll make his toes, but he's asleep. <laughs> I'm gonna float above his bed, and then I'm gonna drop on him and send him up into the sky with me. <laughs> but we're gonna wrestle a bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when something's wrong with the cloud. And now the conclusion of Mr. Jones' compound. (laughs) Yes, the subjects in this information land is I, your king, Orson. I've gathered you here for a very particular purpose. Yes. Mm. X-Files, the owl. Tell them what you told me. (laughs) Y'all, I saw Miss Elaine Rothschild talking to the Gettys, the Queen, the Vanderbilts, the Vatican, and the Colonel. Why, y'all, that's the elites. Meow, meow, meow. It is the elites, Miss Totsleworm. And like the finest French shadow governments, they're plotting in secret, utilizing chemtrails to subdue us and make us more docile. And I won't have it in my kingdom. Hear, hear, King Orson. None of us want any chemtrails in our airspace. That's why I had to remain vigilant on my neighbor. Thank goodness you did, X-Files the Owl. Now we can start stockpiling supplies so our citizen patriot Squatch Hunter army can rise up against them. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Miss Tartleworm. I'm going to march over to Lady Elaine Rothschild's right this moment and tell her we've blown the lid off her little plan. Hooray! <laughs> So you see, kids, vigilance is the thing that protects democracy, and it protects your freedom, and it protects your family. And it's the same in the land of disinformation as it is here in the compound 600 feet below the Earth's surface. I sure am excited to see what happens to the liberal elites now that we've blown the lid off their little plan. But we're going to have to find out tomorrow, kids. It's a vigilant day in our compound where we can all play while we're underground. We'll always let in true Americans and buy colloidal silver. Goodbye, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. I've been telling you this for months. <laughs>